In this episode of The Full Nerd, Ampere, Radeon, and Zen 3 Rumors. Welcome to The Full Nerd, episode 138. I'm your host, Gordon Maung, with Brad Chalker. I screwed that up. <laughs> Hello. I'm going to do that Brad over again. Chalker. <laughs> I can I can do that over again because we're going to cut it for the actual version. No, I'm leaving that in. Welcome to the full. What? No, yeah, it doesn't matter. Welcome to the full. You're you're stomping on my signal here. Welcome to the full nerd episode 138. I'm your host Gordon Mong with co-host Brad Chalkus. Hello. I screwed that up as well. <laughs> it's all right. Hi everyone. And uh, Adam Patrick Murray, it uh, it feels like a Monday. We all feel like we have the case of the Mondays here. It's Tuesdays, <laughs> case of the Tuesdays. Zip says a uh, uh, Brad charcoal. Yeah. I mean, honestly, in lockdown, every day feels like it's Monday or yeah. Sunday or Thursday. I don't know which anymore. Yeah. The the only thing that we've been doing on the weekends to signify it's the weekends is that we have a couch that converts into a, a bed. So we just pull out the bed of, in the couch and, you know, <laughs> there you go. And that's the weekend for us. So other wow. than that, I would have no idea. <laughs> yeah. You have to have a watch that has the actual tells you what day it is. It helps. Yeah. So. Pretty much. Uh, Pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, maybe it's going to be a uh, AMD Ryzen powered watch in the in the near future. No. <laughs> maybe. I, I there's so many rumors to talk about. Um, I think the first one we should go in alphabetical order, right? Yeah. Ampere. Ampere. Let's Ampere. Do it. Oh, you threw me. I thought you were going to go with AMD. Yeah. All right. So oh, well, you're right. No, but that's, <laughs> but that's not Ampere. the that's not the product. It's not the product. <laughs> true. Right. True. So, NVIDIA Ampere, the rumored name for NVIDIA's next-generation graphics architecture, we're expected to see it announced next week. Is it next week? Yeah, next week. So, on May 14th, NVIDIA is hosting a virtual GTC 2020 keynote. Uh, at first, they said it was going to be a digital event instead of the scheduled in-person event. Then they said, all right, we're going to cancel the keynote altogether. And now they said, nope. Actually, we're going to do the keynote again. We're just going to post a video at 6 o'clock in the morning Pacific time on the 14th. But we're going to get the Jensen keynote. Uh, in the post that they said announcing it, specifically said, get amped. So, you know, a sly play at the Ampere name. By sly, I mean not so sly. Very ham-fisted. Uh, so, yeah, we're expected to hear more about NVIDIA's next-generation graphics architecture next week. Don't expect to see the consumer version of it expect to see like the bigger architecture details maybe quadro cards stuff like that uh yeah uh blue kid said he's ready for the leather leather jacket <laughs> yeah so it's going to be a, it's going to be a video they're not going to do it live at all no it's going to be a posted video at six o'clock nine a.m Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. So I guess I'll make sure to have some coffee that morning. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, going to be Get Amped uh, this week. Uh, what was it? It was like a copyright name was filed somewhere for the DGX A100 trademark for NVIDIA. So hinting that their next gen, you know, high end data center cards are coming. Some other rumors have been popping around. 
about what we might see inside of the chip itself. Uh, kind of thinly sourced. We'll we'll see how it goes. But what's being said is that it will have significantly more ray tracing performance, possibly four times better ray tracing performance than Turing, the current G- RTX 20 series, uh, which would be huge. That'd be a massive jump, and that would be a big move to get ray tracing out and adopted. Uh, part of that rumor also says that GTX will be going away uh, because ray tracing is so much more potent that they can actually put it into lower end cards now. Uh, this is all because NVIDIA is expected to be moving to 7 nanometer architecture. So part of the reason that Big Navi, Radeon, not Big Navi, Navi in general with Radeon, was able to get so much more power efficient and high performing is because it moved to the 7 nanometer graphics uh, transistors as opposed to 14 nanometer when it was on before. This is NVIDIA's turn to make that jump. Uh, last time NVIDIA made a transistor technology jump like that was the GTX 9 series to the 10 series. And it was huge. It delivered much more performance per watt, which let them be much more powerful, much more power sipping. So this is going to be NVIDIA's turn. It's probably going to be a pretty big jump. Uh, Turing itself actually changed the underlying CUDA cores and streaming multiprocessors quite a bit. I wouldn't expect to see too much of a shakeup in Ampere itself, because typically when you're moving to a new transistor node like that, you don't like redo everything. You like handle the transistor jump, and then the one after that is when you start redoing, rejiggering with the plumbing inside. So, I mean, I wouldn't expect to see any major overhauls like we saw with Turing, which introduced a bunch of new stuff. But sounds like we're going to know in a week at least some you, of the high-level basics. You, I, I, I have a hard time believing that GTX would be sunset necessarily because mm-hmm. there's just a lot of low-end parts that people are not going to be paying top-end dollars for. I mean, I, yeah. it feels like you're still going to have, you know, GT, GTX class parts, especially in mobile, too, for a while. They'll just kind of linger on for, for at least... And it feels like another half a year to a year. I, I can't believe GTX would go away. And GTX has just been such a, it's been with us for such a long time. It's just hard to believe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like I said, it's a thinly sourced. It's, it, I forget, Moore's Law is Dead, I think is the name of the YouTube channel that did it. So who knows? That's what's being out there right now. NVIDIA hasn't said anything. It hasn't even confirmed the word Ampere as the next generation architecture. So, yeah. What if it's something yeah. else, right? Well, but I mean, if, they move to seven nanometer. They'll have a lot more space, depending on how big they want to make the dais to put things like RT cores into. And I mean, I could see, uh, geez, these numbers, uh, an RTX sixteen fifty equivalent, the next gen sixteen fifty. They could just have a you know some RT cores in there to give it baseline like RTX twenty sixty, let's say level performance. Going forward, I could see that happening with the move to the new transistor node. Uh, but yeah, you have to wonder. I guess we'll see because some of those those low end laptop parts are the ones that it's kind of hard to envision them stuffing those with ray tracing cores or whatnot. Hey, I, I want to pick your brain. Do you remember how long from you know um, data center workstation part 
announcements till we got consumer parts. I mean, I'm trying to think when the original DGs came out, it felt like maybe half a year before we got consumer. That's roughly right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, could, roughly right. So if they announce it basically in May, we could see it end of year. December-ish before that well, would be my guess. Is what you want to shoot for, right? So yeah, that's always kind of what I guessed it would be. Especially once all these manufacturing woes started happening, I, I I've been saying all along. Obviously, new Nvidia is going to happen this year. I think it's going to be before the consoles. I think it's going to be probably in the fall. Same with Big Navi, just because of all the various manufacturing woes. Uh, people are going to need to have free money to be able to buy graphics cards, so. You know, the further out they can push it, it'd probably be better for their launches. Right. Uh, yes. And the timing just works out, like you're saying. I just want to point out a story I read on PC Gamer by uh, Dave James, who started at Future, went to uh, PC Games, and now it looks like he's back at, at Future with uh, PC Gamer. But one of the things he threw out, I want to run past you. I don't know if you saw it or not, but the speculation that a, uh, a 3060, so basically the, uh, the equivalent of a 1060, which turned into a 2060, and then the 3060 will have the ray tracing performance of a 2080 Ti. Do you buy any I, of that? I buy into the idea that the 3060 could have the ray tracing performance of a 2080 Ti. I don't buy into the idea that it could have the traditional rendering performance of a 2080 Ti. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it winds up with the traditional rendering performance of a 2080 let's say because that's you know typically nvidia tries to do that they move one down so that would be a 2070 but whenever they last time they did this big transitional transistor jump uh it it was a two-level jump so we could definitely see that happen and especially with ray tracing, but there's no way that a 3060 is going to be as fast in a normal game as a 2080 Ti. Yeah, it's just too too expensive, probably on the die. Yeah, I guess. they wouldn't. It would just dramatically upend everything, and yeah, it'd be too expensive. And I mean, they're not going to move the goalposts that far. I don't think. Cost. I mean, if they can, that'd be great. But I expect to see it for ray tracing, but not traditional rendering. I don't expect. I wouldn't be surprised. That's is what I should say. Yeah, it does feel like 2080 Ti is a stretch. I I could. I mean, honestly, if you got 2080 ray tracing performance, that's that's pretty decent because it does. I mean, ray tracing performance it did kind of stack up. I mean, traditional mm-hmm. conventional gaming, there was a gap, huge gap mm-hmm. between 2060. Definitely, there was a stack up on, on the ray tracing performance, it feels yeah. like. Although 2060 was always kind of under, a little underwater without DLSS. Yep, but now DLSS 2.0 is awesome. So they might not need to put more tensor cores in there because the amount that they already have is doing awesome things with DLSS 2.0. And they're going to have all this extra space. So it makes sense to me that they will put a lot of that towards ray tracing because that's what NVIDIA has been pushing super hard, right? Uh it is kind of hard to disentangle traditional performance and ray tracing performance. So to say it'll have the ray tracing performance of a 2080 Ti is kind of weird because, I mean, it has to be able to render the game at a certain level. It just won't take the performance hit. Do you know what I'm saying? Does it, I'm wording this super bad. I'm feeling like it's Monday too. But 
yeah, it's going to have, a, I would expect it to have much higher ray tracing. Still good rendering. Uh, yeah, I'm rambling. <laughs> could they, I mean, could you actually ignore, you know, I, I know people get all angry when I call it legacy, but conventional gaming, because conventional gaming is still 98%, 99% of all games. They sort of have, still have to respect. Do they have to? They have I to think, respect conventional gaming, but do they have to push it that far? You know, I think conventional gaming will keep getting pushed at least until you know 4K is the norm. I think we need to keep pushing forward on that performance. I also think that Nvidia would be crazy to put all of that die space towards ray tracing cores, because the reason that the RTX 20 series was so you know flamed when it came out is because it didn't offer faster traditional gaming performance at the same price points as before just the new ray tracing capabilities if they do that yet again it's going to have a lot of people up in arms i think huh you think so i mean that's that's what i do kind of wonder is if how upset people are even though it's clear that ray tracing is the future from all parties at this point i i just you still need the rendering cores, though. You need the render. You need to be able to render those graphics. You need to make those graphics to pr- show all those ray traced calculations. So they need to keep pushing forward on that too. I, I expect it to be a pretty balanced split. I would expect to see much greater ray tracing performance and decently better, possibly much greater traditional rendering performance too. Because again, it's Nvidia moving to seven nanometer. I'm expecting cool things out of it well and uh will uh said also in that moore's law is dead uh youtube channel that uh the rumor is that they're gonna have tensor accelerated lossless texture compression which sounds pretty cool yeah that does sound pretty cool we'll have to see how it goes uh dlss 1.0 sounded really cool and it took a year and a half for dlss 2.0 to come out and actually be cool so and somebody said, "I like the underlying idea." <laughs> somebody said that by the time uh, Ampere's out, that it'll be DSS 3.0. Have, have Have we heard about that? I've not heard that name oh, okay. once. Hmm. But we'll, I'm we'll sure see. they are working on continuing improvements. Although I, I kind of wonder because you know originally, you know, I said that you know when they came out with the 20 series, you know, we were just sort of at a ridiculous point in performance on you know today's games. Did you really need? Did you really need 400 frames a second? If, say, you were playing Counter-Strike at 300 frames a second, did you really need 500? Most people aren't playing that. I mean, a lot of people are playing that, don't get me wrong. But if you're buying a high-end graphics card like that, you're doing it to play. In my head, it's always The Witcher, even though The Witcher is a five-year-old game at this point. But a modern AAA eye candy game. Yeah, but you know what I kind of think, though, is, is I didn't foresee the development with high refresh rate panels. Because it's interesting because NVIDIA is clearly also behind high refresh rate panels. 100%. We were, we were at a CES and JJ at ASUS is like, yeah, we're on the road to a thousand, right? He's like, a, a thousand, a thousand <laughs> hertz refresh panel. You're, you're not going to be able to do that with ray tracing performance, even on these 3000 series. I'm going to guess. I, I can no. probably safely Wait. make that prediction. Wait, so Gordon, are you saying, are you saying something in favor? Of traditional gaming performance here? No, I, you, yeah. Are you, still yeah. Advocate, are you still beating the drum for, you know, ray tracing being the future? Because I actually can't tell which way Well, no, I'm today. saying because what happened was I really felt like, it really felt like, yeah, 240 hertz. Come on. Do we need to go further? 240 hertz just seems silly 
we're at 300 now. We're obviously going to be at 500. 360. 360. We're going to be at 500 really soon. And it really That's felt wild. like <clears throat> what I'm saying is that my feeling is like, look, ray tracing is the future because you don't need 800 frames a second in a game. Yep. <laughs> actually, you might actually need 800 frames a second because you sort of have these two things that NVIDIA is pushing that are at odds with each other because you're not going to get a thousand frames a second or 800 or 500 frames a second with ray tracing turned on. I, I'm going to guess. So how do you, you're sort of pushing two different things because, and uh, as we know, high refresh does matter even for loser gamers like us. Like we did that test at CES as I was really, you know, I always thought it was for a 13 year old with, you know, in competition <laughs> with lightning, lightning refluxes. But clearly, it would improve even like sucky old gamers like like us. I, I don't know if I'm including all of you in that as well, but I'm going to say, <laughs> I would. I would. We did that thing, and definitely a high refresh panel made a difference. And you sort of like it kind of stinks because now you have to push high 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 refresh gaming and essentially <laughs> legacy conventional gaming, and then you also have to service ray tracing. You have to sort of service both sectors and. It's going to sort of slow us down, it feels like. Well, and it's interesting because uh, uh, somebody had mentioned earlier about how, you know, we're still stuck on 1080p, you know, meaning the majority of people, at least according to the Steam hardware surveys at 1080p. I wonder, like, which will jump first if, the if, uh, you know, a jump to a higher resolution like 1440p or 4K or a jump to higher refresh uh, for, you know, those traditional kind of games? Because, I mean... You know, at 1080p, a lot of the cards even now, you know, do okay with with yep. uh, with ray tracing uh, and with high refresh stuff. Um, and then, I mean, I mean it's only going to get better. I think it has a lot to do with what we're just going to see in terms of prices for monitors. So, <clears throat> excuse me, trend so far has been that 1080p monitors with high refresh rates are still more affordable than higher resolution monitors. Um, so like, if I remember right, I think Black Friday, you were seeing deals on at least 144 Hertz panels for about $150, 1080p panels. And, um, the just standard 1440p panels weren't budging below like the 200 range. So, yep. I mean, for some people that $50 still makes a difference. And it's the difference between, you know, that $50 isn't just the difference in resolution. It's the difference between... A 1080p 1440 hertz panel and a 1440p 60 hertz panel because mm -hmm. those ones are like 200 bucks or the yes, lower refresh rates. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I so yeah, I, I'm with Lane on that. It's 1080p a higher refresh is going to be the next notch for gamers, which yeah. some people will think is unfortunate, but yeah, fast is good. Yeah, more more pixels is good. Faster is good. Ray tracing is good. It's all good stuff. Yeah. No, I'm still looking at getting a, a used ASUS panel that's a 1440p that's 244 or 165, that 165 original IPS mm -hmm. panel. Used, if I get that like, down about 300, I might do it. Like off of eBay or Amazon? Yeah, I, either refurb or sometimes Amazon sells refurbs. But I, because, oh, okay. you know, full price is still really pricey. I mean, I think some of that is because it's an out of production panel probably. Mm. But, you know, I want IPS and I also want. Uh, you know, a higher refresh than what I'm at right now. Also, G-Sync monitors are like Intel processors. Yeah. They don't go down in price that much. <laughs> yeah, that is unfortunate too, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, Except for G-Sync Ultimate, the one that came out costing like two grand is now down to like 1200 bucks, which is still a ridiculous amount of money to spend <laughs> on a monitor, but it's a 
ridiculous monitor. So, you know, not to take us too far down the side road, but I just I kind of <laughs> wish people would get excited about buying new monitors. I know it's really yeah. hard because it's like a refrigerator. If it works, you don't want to replace it. But and you get the mini LED and these high these these panels are going to be spectacular that are going to be coming yeah. out over the next two years. Uh, but it's kind of like a refrigerator or a washing machine that when you finally do upgrade, you're like, ooh, look all these bells and whistles. I didn't know <laughs> yeah. they do this now. I know, I know. I can get water out of the door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you still have to have a third budget for that, Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be, but it'd be, it would be nice if people would would buy nicer panels, higher refresh, higher resolution. Well, but uh, it, it does go ahead. It, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say it's interesting because somebody just brought up uh, another point I, I didn't even realize uh, about how uh, you know the resolution versus high frame rate stuff. Consoles are going with resolution. You know, they're they're sticking at like sixty and you know pushing four K and you know uh, and that. But I think that's constrained by the TV, obviously. So. Yeah, I was gonna say that's because of the differences between TV panels and monitor panels and what's in the market. So I mean, everyone got pushed to four K on the TV side, which I still think is a little strange because a lot yeah. of media doesn't support it yet, and you just have everything upscaled and kind of soft, but. I will avoid going down that rabbit into that rabbit <laughs> hole today. Uh, and, <laughs> and earlier, somebody else did ask: uh, Do you think we'll see uh, during this keynote or whatever video that we're talking about <laughs> uh, anything about um, GeForce Now? Because uh, I know they they just added a, a handful of new games after you know losing a bunch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. don't expect to hear any consumer-facing things there. It's oh, GTC it. tends to be bigger picture data center, you know, mm-hmm. using GPUs for all this crazy stuff. You know, Jensen's always talking about cars and stuff like that. He was going to talk about cars. And it's also where they show you the architecture behind this next generation graphics cards in the form of data center GPUs first. So you'll be able to look at it and say like, oh, this is what's going to be the backbone of what's coming to us in our graphics cards in six months. So I don't expect to hear about GeForce now, unless it's just mentioned as like a footnote, like, you know, we have RTX servers powering this, you know, this many data centers, et cetera, et cetera. I almost feel like back in the the old way of doing things before we were all quarantined, um, that's the kind of thing you'd hear at GDC, which usually comes a couple of weeks before GTC. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually you would hear kind of game-related things at the Game Developers Conference. Not and we did this year. They actually, uh, that's where they announced the DLSS 2.0. And that might have been when GeForce Now came out of beta. I'm not sure. These months and days uh, kind of all blend together these days. I for that, but again, yeah, it is all blurring but, together. But DLS 2.0 was definitely supposed to be a GDC announcement, so. Yeah. And then also, I, I you know, NVIDIA... Their, their graphics card launches are big enough, they don't need an event. You know, it used to be you had to sort of like just attach your car to Computex or CES or whatever, but uh, GTX, RTX cards are big enough, they can launch on their own. People make the truck around the globe to see them, write about it uh, without having an event attached to it. So They, they have they been really attaching events, that. though. They have been, but only somewhat like uh, the GTX 10 series was done for DreamHack Austin, which is a big event, but a more minor event. And uh, the RTX 20 series was at Gamescom, which is like the biggest one in the world. But 
maybe not for the tech press. So they still attach them to events, but not to PC-focused events necessarily. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. I just kind of think, like, if they said, like, hey, come out, well, assuming everybody could come out for this in whatever, August or Mm -hmm. November, then people would come out to see it because it's it's a big launch. These are big launches. So, I mean, just like AMD. AMD doesn't necessarily need to... For the press, anyway, because, again, remember, they get a whole bunch of media in a room. We write about it. They tell us about it. We write about it. Everybody comes out for it, so they don't Mm -hmm. really necessarily need it. But, yeah, they do. They get them kind of close to events, but they're not Mm -hmm. necessarily tied to it. So I think they're doing them these days for the social media impact. So, like, NVIDIA's stuff, they've been having people go to it. And a lot of AMD stuff, like last year's E3 stuff, is the same idea. They had normal people tickets available. And so it generates more social media hype. So I think that's more of the reason why we're starting to see events tied to stuff like that. So I I, I do want to know. So we talked about just a little bit earlier, Brad. But so your read is you actually think people because, I mean, the pushback against RTX was, I think, unexpected uh, from NVIDIA. Certainly they did not expect people to be that angry. Uh, I didn't get it myself because I'm old school, but um, mm-hmm. do you think if this launch gives you, say, twice the ray tracing performance of what we got previously, mm-hmm. and say maybe a third more conventional gaming, conventional rasterization, is that enough? And the price stays the same because I don't expect prices would go down. This is a this is a leading edge process. I don't think prices would go down. So if the prices are still the same, but you get the significant amount of performance will people still be angry or they i mean because everybody said at the time it's about the price it's not about the performance Gordon. no it's it both it was complicated i can i i i'm, I'm the opposite of you i totally understand why they got yeah. pushed back on so hard i did to some degree in my reviews as well uh you can't offer people the same thing as what they got before two years ago at the same price and that's what gtx 20 rtx 20 series did I think NVIDIA learned that lesson. Uh, if they double ray tracing performance and give you a good jump in rendering performance, like you're saying, I think people will be happy with it. Nobody's going to be happy about the price. I think these new prices are here to stay, though. I don't think you typically see NVIDIA moving backwards on pricing. Uh, but, yeah, we'll have to see. They could come out super aggressive on pricing to get ahead of the consoles because the new consoles are coming out this year. The big thing is they're going to have ray tracing support because AMD's technology inside of it. So NVIDIA might just come out with these amazing cards at good prices just to be like, screw y'all, y'all should have picked NVIDIA. Well, <laughs> do you think there's any chance they increase prices? There is always a chance NVIDIA could increase prices. <laughs> Same yeah. with Intel. They like increasing prices. Everybody, like, yeah. their businesses, they like to make money, right? So would I. I'm an individual and I like making money. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and prices are largely constrained by competition, too. I mean, obviously, there's yeah. costs for the, the new process, but without real competition at the high end, you know, 2080, 2080 Ti, then it's going to no come reason. down. It's going to yeah. come down to Big Navi. If they're, they're talking about Big Navi being a 2080 Ti competitor, is what some of the rumors say. There's been very flimsy sourcing on that. Don't take that as a definitive, like, wait for Big Navi kind of thing. But, you know, people are saying it could be a 2080 Ti competitor. For the 2080 Ti competitor, it's not enough. It's gonna, it's too late for that. 2080 Ti came out a year and a half ago. Yeah. So it's part of the reason we got such high prices 
for the RTX 20 series is because AMD failed so hard with Vega in the high-end desktop graphics space. It wound up being great for mobile parts and laptops and whatnot, but you know the whole thing was wait for Vega, and we people waited forever, and it could barely match the 1080, much less the 1080 Ti. So NVIDIA kind of had the whole upper end to itself. So what's going to happen is going to be tied very much to what AMD is able to pull off with Big Navi. My prediction. <laughs> you, you know what I should also bring up, which I for, I forgot, is Intel officially confirmed, Raja, um, who you've seen here before, they did confirm a big-ass Z-based GPU could be coming sooner rather than later, right? Yeah, that's for data centers, though. They also confirmed that's for data centers. Yeah, I know. But, you know. <laughs> but yeah, it's freaking huge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, in fact, GTC and is prop they're more concerned about fighting Intel than they are concerned about AMD at the moment, right? So, yep. Wait, so I, I kind of see some chatter about Z. Like, um, when you say sooner rather than later, how much sooner are we talking here? Like, it's still... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're going to see Z in some form this year. Okay. That's what they've always said. They haven't said whether it's for data center or whether it's going to be in laptops. I think laptops are confirmed for this year. Tiger Lake with Z graphics, I think, is this year. Yeah. But, yeah, sometime, sometime this year we'll see Z in some form. But, yeah, data center is going to be a big part of their focus, I think. Data yeah. center and integrated graphics. Yeah, and I think actually after that uh, Z development board that they released, um, people were like, you know, because everybody mm-hmm. expected something at CES. There's nothing, and then there was that little tiny. No, there was something. We, we saw. We we held a card, Gordon. I know, I but that was a dev board. But that was a <laughs> dev board. But I think people are like, at this point, it's like, yeah, okay, we'll we'll believe it when we see it in consumers. So, but I think this is at least in fact they have data centers where all the money is. If you're wondering why Intel and Nvidia are so concentrated in data center, there's real money there. So, but I'm I'm in a. I'm going to say craziness, making up predictions. Uh, <laughs> uh, consumer uh, add-in board Z at CES, uh, if CES happens, maybe. I can uh, find that. Neither of those okay. things will happen. <laughs> Are you I, don't, I don't think we'll see Z in consumer graphics cards this year. CES sounds more right to me. I, I, I wouldn't stake my horse to it, but that sounds more likely to me than anything this year. Wait, so yeah. are we doing this officially as a paper thing? No, sure, no, no, sure. no. It's oh. it's a yeah, different I episode. <laughs> uh, I make predictions. I make crazy predictions all year round. I'll stick to that. I'll, I'll say <laughs> Z by uh, by January. Well, luckily, Ampere, about, luckily by, making uh, predictions uh, halfway through the year is you know you just forget about them. So it's that's what makes <laughs> I know, it easy. I know. Nobody Chat's remembers. not going to forget about them. Uh, we'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And just you'll see a little uh, caption that says "Chat will remember that." <laughs> Chat will remember that. <laughs> Ding. I, I I will make another prediction. I will predict uh, Ampere will come out. Uh, price will be the same. Performance will be significantly better on both fronts. Everybody suddenly will pretend they never trash talked uh, RTX this whole time. And like I ne- I never said anything bad about ray tracing. What are you talking about? I'm I'm in line to buy one right now. I never said anything. That's what I predict. It's, well, it's, it's 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 criticism. 
you're supposed to criticize things that deserve it. And uh, RTX, as it came out, yes, ray tracing is the future. It's very exciting to see this happening in any form. It's still really valid to say, hey, we, you know, for the same amount of money, we're hoping to get faster traditional gaming performance. And it kind of stinks that, you know, I have this $1,200 unprecedented graphics card and I can only play at 1080p on it. Well, and, it's good and to see it ray tracing running at 1080p. That was not possible before. That's why I voted for it for best GPU of the year, even though I was downvoted. <laughs> but you can still say, hey, man. It's, you know, 1080p on a $1,200 card. Also, chat it's, it's, chat well, pointed out, real quick, Gordon, chat pointed out that uh, one, another reason why they were angry is that that you you still only have a handful of games to play, mm-hmm. you know? So they they paid more, they, they got, uh, you know. Well, one, I'm going to point out on the very first podcast we talked about this officially, Brad said, Brad's words, <laughs> wait for the second generation part. This is awesomeness. Yeah. The second gen part on the new process is going to be awesome. Wait for that. That's what he said. That's what he said. So I don't point that out. But there's criticism and there's this doesn't exist. They were flat out saying this was the wrong course to make. You shouldn't have even bothered to do this. We should have just gone to 100% period. That's just not how the world works. So again, I'm old school. I understand you got to take baby steps. They're not great. It's painful. It's a painful voyage, but you eventually get there. You don't just simply go, let's simply come out with the world's best card with ray tracing performance and 150 games that support it. It doesn't work that way. It just yeah. never has. So that's what I'm talking about. That criticism, criticism is the people said, no, this is horrible. They said that basically the earth is flat. Ray tracing is a dead end. It's going nowhere. It's going nowhere. So those folks... Right. When they're in line to get their ray tracing card, either from AMD, Intel, or NVIDIA, I just want to remind them of that. I expect RTX 3000 series or 21 inch or whatever to be a complete 180. I think it's going to be a big success. That's my guess right now. I think everything's lining up just right for them right now. Yeah. Okay. But speaking of lining up things, is AMD lining up Zen 3? Wait, I thought it was Zen 4. I thought we were talking about Zen 4. Zen 4? <laughs> no, we're talking about Zen 3. <laughs> no, we're talking about Zen 3. But somebody else is Zen talking about Zen 4. Way. You know, we're late to the party. We're talking about old stuff now. It is crazy. We've already, yeah. So essentially Zen 3, there's rumors of it. I know, of course, AMD has already confirmed that it's been on schedule. They talked about it again being on schedule, uh, the, the financial disclosure, what, a couple last week. So Zen 3 is on the way. They're not really saying what's under the hood. It's I think it's what the code name is Vermeer, uh, which is isn't that planet from? Um, isn't that a painter? I I guess it's a, I think it might be a, a painter, but I think it's also the planet from um, the that last Avengers movie for some reason. Um, <laughs> but I think the rumors are, you know, fifteen percent IPC improvement. Uh, I think that's about it. I don't. But actually, the thing that actually is interesting to me is uh it is apparently gonna run an am4 it will be an am4 part good i'm Which really is great, happy right? to hear that right so ryzen 4000 will will come out and uh, fit and run in am4 that doesn't guarantee every single board but probably an awful lot of them will run am4 they have this planned out and then uh yeah end of this it's- year am3 
or M4 Zen 3. Sweet. End of this year. That sounds about right. When did Zen 2 launch? Last fall. It was last fall, fall. because it pushed it back from the spring release for yeah. 1 and 2. So a little later. <laughs> I do wonder how that's going to affect um, any sales during the holiday period if we're really going to – I don't even know if we're really going to see that many sales this year. I mean, I'm sure people will – retailers will say it's on sale, but I don't know if they'll be actually substantial – Hopefully, because yeah. I'm still hoping to get a 3800X to my first-gen AM4 motherboard. So, You're not going to go to a next-gen part? You're going to go for 3800X? Yeah, I'm still right where I'm at now. The 1800X holds up fine, but if I can find a 38 or 3700X on a juicy deal, then I'm going to do that. Yeah. And then yeah, hold I... out for the next AM5 or whatever with DDR5 and PCIe5 and upgrade then. Mm. You know, what's interesting is, is uh, I think we have this slide from WCCF Tech. Yep. They actually the sat down right and looked at these dates. I, I have not done this yet because I'm too lazy. But it's really interesting because they basically, you know, plot out the, you know, the the Ryzen CPUs and the sockets and the chipset. So 300, 400. There will be a 500 series launch with the, the oh, wait. Yeah. So it's a 500. But on the other side, they actually have the Intel sockets. So they had 7th Gen KB Lake with 1151. And then that real heartbreaker was that 8th Gen Coffee Lake. That really that really, <laughs> that really <laughs> pissed people off because 8th yeah. Gen yeah. did not run with KB Lake parts. Um, it probably could have. I think that was some pressure from motherboard vendors on Intel, actually, to limit the support for older parts in that chipset. And then, of course, you know, uh, Coffee Lake, we got Coffee Lake Refresh. And um, so we got two parts out of that. And then, of course, with Comet Lake, which is going to come out uh, soonish, it's a new socket, LJ uh, 1200, which is incompatible, of course, with the previous generation parts. But they do say that that looks like it'll it'll run with the next gen uh, Rocket Lake. Uh, and then, of course, uh, if the rumors are correct, WCCF Tech is saying a 12th gen part Alder Lake will be in an LGA 1700, which of course will not be compatible. Generally, Intel looks like it's on a cadence of two parts, two generations of CPUs. Yeah. If you're if you're if you're kind enough to call those generations of CPUs per socket, <laughs> whereas AMD has been on about four four generations because Ryzen 1000 through 4000 most generally all worked on AM4. Uh, but with Ryzen 5000, looks like that will be an AM5 socket. And that's probably the, um, that'll be Zen 4. Maybe they're going to go with my 5 thing. So Ryzen 5000, AM5 with DDR5. Because I think uh, DDR5 will fully be, you know, launched and in the market by 2022, where it won't hurt your CPU sale. So that kind of makes sense. DDR5, AM5, AM5. Mm-hmm. <laughs> launched on May 5th, just... Hey, it's five five today. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I was seeing uh I forget where I saw it, but I was seeing one of the rumors was saying that this Intel socket is they're hoping to have it stretch out to three generations of chips. Maybe. Uh, which goes to show <laughs> that's the opposite of what WCCF is saying here. I always take rumors with a grain of salt, especially ones that are looking out that far. Just because yeah. I haven't said that yet this show, and we're all speculating wildly out of our butts. So. 
Yeah, and I think it's tough too because I mean, uh, and I know, and I'll mention this again. I just have to say it. Intel, I've I've asked them because do you you know do you do this just to piss everybody? I literally said, do you do this just to piss everybody off? And they're like, you know, no, we do this because we don't want things to blow up. We can't have we can't have motherboards blow up. We can't have things just not stop working. So by going, they did you know actually need uh, more power delivery for Coffee Lake to be reliable. That was mm-hmm. sort of like. Went back and forth because I know I talked to motherboard vendors. They had it working on previous generation parts. I, I but I, I do, I do understand that when they say for the bolt, we need everything. It can't be ninety eight percent or ninety seven percent. It has to be every single thing has to work. They, they, they just generally are far more conservative. But I don't. I could see a new socket yet again after Rocket Lake because mm-hmm. I think they, they also can't. They can't. They're, they're playing catch up with AMD. You know, I, you can't, you can't as a motherboard and chipset make, they can't like say you need to build in so much headroom for future CPUs, so much electrical headroom that now the mother, now you're going to add $35 of cost to a motherboard that may never come. And you don't know where, they don't know where AMD is going to be in two years. So, I mean, how do you really, or three years, it's, you can't really overbuild things and then have people pay for capability they're never going to use. It's just better. I, mean, I think no. I think part of the issue Intel's run into with this is being stuck on 14 nanometers so long, because yes, they did need more power delivery for the socket for to support these chips that moved up into six, eight, ten cores, because they were not originally planning on being this on 14 nanometers still when they were you know rolling out that first gen. Whereas AMD was able to say, okay, we're starting off with Ryzen, we're just going to get more power efficient each time. We're gonna you know, make sure we keep the TDP within the parameters of AM4. Uh, they were able to do that because they were hitting and moving on with their, you know, manufacturing and technology goals, whereas Intel's gotten stuck. So they're kind of put in a hard place to be able to respond to that. That, saying, that said, Intel always has done just two generations of motherboard compatibility with things. So it's not new, but they were kind of caught flat-footed by that, I think, too. Yeah. It's not new, but it just seems really strange uh, for them to stick to that playbook, given the public perception um, of what that looks like versus what AMD is doing. I think it was in Discord yesterday that somebody posted a meme where it was like, AMD gives you a new processor or a new chip in the same socket, Intel, same process, new socket. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like... Yeah, oh, that's kind of pain in the butt. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 a bad look. You know, it just it's always it is always going to disappoint the 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 diehard you know gearheads. But to the larger picture, people, you know, the percentage of people that ever put a new CPU into a motherboard is is actually very small. Mm-hmm. So you know, I understand where that thinking also goes. Like you know. Are you gonna are you gonna add extra cost to everybody for the five percent who ever do a new CPU as well? You know, but is so that it small is, because it is, was never an option before, or is it small because they never really wanted to do it? It almost seems like begging the question. Well, AM three AM three was around for a while too, but again, and, probably once you bought a bulldozer chip, you yeah, probably didn't want to put another one in there. A different case there. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's you know AMD has part of they've been doing spectacular because Intel's weaknesses have been on display for several years now. 
AMD was playing a guerrilla war, so they knew exactly how to attack and flip Intel on its back because that was a weakness they knew they could exploit. They knew Intel was just stuck on 14 nanometer. Intel's had problems with this process for a long, long time. So they got to that point and, you know, they got that leverage and they flipped them on their back. So I, I understand that. I, and as far as the, I mean, I haven't seen any surveys, but I'm going to guess that, you know, when you look at the DIY market and actual people who do CPU upgrades, it's, you know, at best, if you were generous, it'd be like single digit, right? Nine Under 9%. And I think that's probably generous. I think it's probably closer to actually 5% of people ever upgrade the socket and motherboard. I would I'd like it to be more. If it's that high. Yeah, I'd be surprised if it was that high. I, w- I wish it would be more because honestly, I think it's greener for the earth where you just simply get more out of your desktop because I think desktops are greener than laptops and tablets and phones. But I just don't think people really do it. I think people overestimate how much it's actually done, to be honest. It's a hell of a marketing point, though. Even though yeah, every, oh, every, yes. everybody, like you said, almost nobody does it, but everyone thinks that they want to do it. So it's a great marketing thing. Yeah, and for AMD, it's good because, again, remember, they were coming from a point of where nobody wanted their CPUs. Everybody wanted them. Mm-hmm. So to be able to just simply say we've got this huge – it's hard to get motherboard vendors to make motherboards when nobody wants to buy your CPUs. You saw that with Bulldozer. With Ryzen, we saw you know 45. We know with this last one, there were 45 board launches with it. So clearly, there's a lot there. And they, it's just nice to be able to not worry about the compatibility gen, in general. But even even there, it's like – you couldn't put a 4,000 part or a 3,000 part into an older board without another CPU, right? So some people, it creates problems too. Yep. But yeah, no, it sucks. I mean, I people don't remember, but like old timers remember the 440BX, the Intel 440BX. That was like, you had one slot board. There was a slot one, right? I can't remember what the hell it was called. It, it lasted for like for four years, it felt like. I don't remember. They were like that same slot was used for many, many generations of CPU designs, although you had bus changes, they still worked, but it ran mm-hmm. forever. And then Intel sort of got to this point where they were always up, updating the sockets that kind of sucked. Oh, by the way, uh, 20 years of the original K7, apparently this year. So that's that's amazing. Oh, cool. Yeah. Sweet. So Zen 3, what are you thinking? When do you think we're going to see it? Do you think it's going to be this fall? Yeah, I think it'll be... I think it'll, they're going to do a dual launch. I think it'll be... Well, as... as we sort of hope that, you know, all the, the, the global fabs and everything are all working. But I'm going to guess it'll be here fall. I think we're, we're going to see Zen 3. So Ryzen 4000 with Big Navi. I think it'll, you know, AMD understands they're in a good position to mess with Intel even more. And perhaps, you know, find a way to with mess with NVIDIA. It's always harder to mess with NVIDIA because they're so super aggressive. So mm-hmm. I, I, my prediction is fall. So I put that down, both parts. <laughs> I'm gonna write it down right now. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> cool. Uh, any any more rumor talk we should uh, we should cover before we move on? Yes, Brad, Radeon. There's Radeons too. This Radeon rumors. Oh, big, big Navi rumors. No, wasn't there the uh, There's a rumor of a new Radeon XT part. Oh, no, that's not quite true. Uh, what happened is that it, AMD is now aggressively promoting Faster is Faster, uh, new 
14 what? gigabyte per second Radeon RX 5700 5600 XT graphics cards are now available with 14 G- Gbps of memory speed giving you higher performance out of the box or as a downloadable update for many existing GPUs. So, do you remember the big Radeon RX 5600 XT? I hate saying all those letters out loud back to back. Fiasco? Uh, Fiasco, yes. Mm -hmm. Or Fiasco. So, that was the card where it was coming out. It's supposed to be the ultimate 1080p gaming performance card. At CES, NVIDIA and EVGA revealed $300 graphics cards, uh, RTX 2060 graphics cards, right after AMD announced the 5600 XT at... 280 bucks. So with the 5600 XT basically just being like a software locked 5700 die, uh, they just let manufacturers open it up a little bit more if they opted to because it was originally supposed to have 12 gigabyte per second memory speed. Uh, It wound up being a big mess. Some cards supported the higher memory speed. Some cards didn't. Etc. Etc. Uh, that is still the case. You need to shop really smart if you buy one. Uh, but now AMD is promoting the fact that some of these cards might need a BIOS update, and that there are new cards that have 14 GBPS out of the box. Like I just got one from XFX uh, when I reviewed the XFX Thick Three. I think it was originally. I said this is a great graphics card. Uh, but it doesn't perform as well as some of the other ones around this price because AMD kind of screwed everybody with the, all those partners with the way it launched this. Uh, so now we're starting to see like XFX and other companies putting out cards that you'll get them with the right BIOS on there and the faster memory speeds. But there are still a lot where you need to go get BIOS updates. So AMD is promoting this, uh, trying to put a positive spin on it. I'm glad to see more cards coming out with that 14 GBPS memory. But bottom line is it's still just as much as a mess as it was on launch day. If you buy a card, you got to shop smart. It could be 10 to 13% slower if you buy one with lower clock speeds in the original memory speeds as opposed to the newer higher clock speeds and higher memory speeds. So it's like a totally different class of card. Still shop smart. AMD has a page that shows all the 14 GBPS capable ones. So at least it would be a little bit easier to shop smart now. But the promotions make it sound like this is a good thing. We're making it faster now. This is the same mess that it's always been. It's just kind of easier to sort through it now because of that one page. Well, <laughs> speaking of uh, advice, uh, I linked to your uh, advice, uh, the, the article in the description. It's it's a really good article. Uh, so oh, if, you, if you're looking for direct advice, buying advice, uh, check in the description. It's, it's a mess. It's just you're promoting it. Like, it's a good thing. It's the same thing that it's always been. It's complicated. Right. You we have, have to. Yeah. Buy a Sapphire Pulse if you're going to buy one. I was actually looking, because that one def- definitively has the BIOS, definitely has the higher clock speeds and higher memory speeds, because both of those are just as important. This new AMD promotion is just touting the memory clock speeds or the higher 14 GBPS, but the higher clock speeds on the GPU are just as important to get the performance that you want to see out of this card. Uh, and that's a crapshoot too, and that's not listed on that page. So I would still just say, just go buy a Sapphire Pulse. It's in stock. It's two hundred and ninety bucks. Uh, although I think it's ten dollars off. These are supposed to be two hundred and eighty bucks. None of these are two hundred and eighty bucks right now. I was just looking at Newegg this morning. They're all two ninety or more 
although some have discounts with codes. And you get Resident Evil 3 and Monster Hunter World free with it. So it's it's decent. It's a lot of a lot of headache. I would still maybe just go for one of those three hundred dollar RTX twenty sixties if I was in the position to d- decide between this. So I just wanted to point out the fact that they're promoting it's like a good thing. It's not it's the same mess with a positive how, spin. How sore are the vendors who built those twelve gig cards? I mean, was that a fault of the vendors' short uh, shortness, uh, uh, like a board design, or was actually they sort they they um, <clears throat> they bought the wrong memory chips. I mean, I just kind of wonder, like, who's... Well, the thing is, the RX 5600 XT was originally rated for lower GPU clock speeds and 12 gigabyte per second memory speeds. So some board models, because it is basically, some vendors, because it is basically a nerfed 5700, uh, just reused the 5700 designs. So when AMD said, oh, you can make it much faster now, they're like, cool, you know, we have a cooler and design in place that can handle that. But vendors who had made their design, their board designs around the lower speeds and the lesser heat got screwed, kind of. So <laughs> it, it was a big mess. Wow. I have to imagine that uh, the ones who were caught flat-footed were not super happy about it. Uh, part of the issue MSI said at the time was that, yes, these could theoretically be 14 GBPS chips, but we only verified them for 12 because that's what the spec is. So we're not going to, you know, it's warranty concerns and all kinds of other things. But yeah, (laughs) still shop smart. Mm. (laughs) It sucks because that card in the unlock form is really, really good. But it was launched in such a messy way that it's really, really hard to recommend anything that you can't clearly say, hey, this one has the higher clock speeds and the higher memory clock speeds. So Sapphire Pulse, go buy a Sapphire Pulse. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. You know, and I, you know, NVIDIA has done this as well. They've had some cards with like, you know, lower grade memory, and then they had the exact same model with higher grade memory. Was it the, yeah. they had well, like DDR4 or something? yeah. So, I think NVIDIA was super shady with the 1060s last gen, where it was the six gigabyte was a totally different GPU than the three gigabyte. Like, nobody's perfect in this world. Uh, that was downright shady from NVIDIA. This, yeah. I just think, was a colossal blunder by AMD, and it sucks because it would have been a great option, but it's just so complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Do we got any questions? <laughs> That's about all I want to say. I want to say that they're out there pushing this. No, we, no I mean, it, the, nothing's at, changed. At the very beginning <laughs> of the show, somebody was like, wait, why are they talking about this card again? Didn't it come out a couple months ago? So I, I think it's just confusion. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's good. Thank you for clearing it up. Uh, I think it's mm-hmm. important PSA for, for damn sure. Especially in that price range. I mean, that's a, a very popular price point. So, Yeah, the key price point. So. So nice. Uh, should we should we get to some questions? Because we didn't uh, we actually yes. didn't get some questions last week. Sorry about that. Ran short on time, but uh, nothing stopping us there today. There were so many things to talk about last week. Yeah, I was near. I would have ran out of breath. Yeah, yeah. there was a, a lot to talk about. Uh, but yeah, let, let me go back. Um, if you want to get your question in any time during the week, get on our folder Discord. There's a link to it uh, in the description. Uh, we have a uh, questions uh, channel in there that you can drop in a question, and we'll get to them during a live show. 
Uh, I'm just going to start off with the the newest one. Uh, Mr. Nobody uh, says uh, they've been saving almost two years for a high-end PC. Uh, They do motion graphic and 3D work. Uh, The question they have is, uh, will we have some huge jumps in generations this year, or should they wait for next year? Uh, as, as, As of right now, I'm waiting till the end of this year for a new NVIDIA GPU and a new Threadripper. In yeah, general, I... next year. Sorry, I was getting. Wait, I think we're both waiting for each other to jump in. Uh, <laughs> Go in general, it. if you want it now, buy it now, uh, because the things next year will always be faster. If I was in your shoes at this time and you can wait till the end of the year, the end of the year is what I would wait for because with the new AMD chips and the new Nvidia and Radeon stuff, that's all expected in the next you know four or five months. We've already been waiting two years. Might as well just wait that long. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one thing I, I I do want to remind you is if it's for money, like you're getting paid for it, then generally you're going to want to pay for it now because yep. less time waiting means more work if you're doing it as a freelancer. So it's probably good to just simply do it. So I, I wouldn't wait too long if I was getting yep. paid. But yeah, I would imagine a next generation Threadripper will be insane above the already insane part we have today. But, you know, and then, of course, the other really good caveat is you need to pay close attention to the applications you use on which architecture it runs better, whether it's Radeon or GeForce or whether or Quadro or or um, Tesla or whatever the high end uh, yep. workstation parts, is, as well as Intel architecture or AMD's architecture. So you need to get by the right tool for the right job. Yep. And that's a very key point what you were saying. If you're doing it in a way to make money, I mean, we're talking about all these parts launching in the fall. Fall is two seasons away. So definitely, yeah, consider that. I'm actually going to jump in with a slightly different perspective just because to me, the, them saying that they've been saying for two years is kind of a big psychological thing. And I feel like, I think you guys are both right, pragmatically speaking, that like, hey, if you can make money, you know, it's, it is a really strong deciding factor about whether to wait or not. But I think the psychology of somebody who's been saving steadily for two years, you're going to want that security emotionally that like you put your money on something that's going to make you feel good. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that's why they're even asking, should I wait? Because it's like the psychology of finally spending that cash on something that is a big jump in tech makes you feel like it was worth that like struggle of like waiting and waiting and scrimping and saving and i think that's why it they want to know like okay is this year going to be an incremental jump or is this year going to be a big jump because it sounds like they're willing to keep pushing like Mm -hmm. i want payoff for the time i've invested in saving up for this so i think you both have a really valid perspective in that like think of it maybe from a money-making perspective but i also think the psychology behind it is important too so i think it depending on the person like really figure out what you value most like are you really going to feel okay if you make a ton of money you know or are you still going to feel super crappy that you didn't Mm -hmm. like get you know that big jump you wanted Mm. so you know thought i'd just point that out that's a great thing to point out there's some people who that's you know, they went the best bang for the buck. So I, I'm just, you know, I, I, yeah, as long as you're not, you're not saving $5 to lose $10, you know, in work. So that's, yeah. 
but for sure. Again, to what you were saying, uh, I would wait until if you're fine with still waiting, and that sounds like you. I would wait no longer than this fall when we see the next yeah. gen AMD stuff and the new graphics cards. Yeah, and definitely, you know, whatever the Ryzen four thousands are, it's probably going to be worth waiting for somewhat. Well, but... he said specifically Threadripper, so. Oh, Threadripper. Yeah, then I, I mean, you sort of think of Threadripper right now. You're waiting a long time, probably, till we get a replacement for Threadripper. I mean, we're talking essentially a, probably a year from its launch, so I, I can't imagine it happening that soon. So you may just do it, but again, you know, buy the right tool for the right job. If you're doing AVX five twelve, you know that is that is Xeon, that is that is Intel. So right now. Uh, cool. Before we move on, real quick, uh, LaSalle Rhymes the Third uh, gave us ten dollars and said, "Enjoying the show. Good afternoon. Uh, good Thank afternoon you. to you too. Thank you so much. Uh, always appreciate it." Um, on to the yeah. next question. This goes back to Ampere. Uh, Boria Zero put it in before we even had started and said, uh, I reckon Ampere is out in July based off the fact that touring was artificially delayed by two months to sell overspill of Pascal." After the mining slash uh, mining slash uh, crash boom slash crash, mm-hmm. uh, what month do you think, did, did Gordon? You had already put out a uh, your prediction. What did I say? I don't remember. Chat will remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll say it'll launch in August. How about that? Okay, so a month after mm-hmm. Boria Zero says. That's my guess too. I agree that. Turing was pushed out to get rid of Pascal overstock, probably. Uh, I think predictions are really hard right now because we have no idea what the world's going to look like over the next couple months. And so things can and do change because if people don't have spending money, what's the point of rolling out all this stuff? That being said, I wouldn't be surprised if we wind up seeing it in August or so as well. You know, because that'd be exactly two years after the Gamescom launch. Uh, that would be a good time to start advertising all these new games that are getting announced for next generation consoles to say, hey, they're going to have ray tracing. Here's the best ray tracing graphics card. It'll blow away the consoles. So August makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, they definitely. It's very interesting because NVIDIA really, you know, it's funny because NVIDIA was in one of the with the original Xbox, right? So they. Mm-hmm. But and later on, this is you know what it wasn't worth it. We we got in there, we lost our shirt on these stupid things. That's uh, been the, Tegra public. powers the switch. Yeah, but that's not really. Yeah, it's not a graphics chip. Yeah, it's, it's not a graphics SOC. chip. And, and Tegra is just kind of like leftovers <laughs> from other products. But they, I that's always been their official position. Is like you know what we don't need to be in consoles. It's like it's a money loser. It's no fun. But I they do like crapping on consoles because they're mm-hmm. not consoles. So. I, I can see that, right? They're going to come yeah. out and want to say, wow, that's cool. Your Xbox and PlayStation 5 are, you know, a third the performance of our our uh, of our cards. Yeah. Whatever. It's pushing out what we pushed out with the 2060 two years ago or whatever. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah. chat's pointing out that uh, what if it launched uh, alongside Cyberpunk? That that gets a lot of people going on a new, a new card. <laughs> I'll <laughs> tell you what. Yeah, see, all those big games, they're going to want to have it out before they come out, I think. So, and I think Cyberpunk's September at this point, so. I think so, yeah. Who knows? I'm buying it no matter when it comes oh, yeah. out, yeah. to be honest, <laughs> after Witcher 3, so. Isn't that just one game, though? Yeah. Uh, it is one <laughs> big Sometimes game. all it takes is one game. 
<laughs> one huge game. Man, if that happens, I can just hear Gordon using that as a counter argument to everything. Because uh, just, just, that's my whole existence. Is it just like, yeah. Remember when you said this? <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, one game on. is a whole lot more than the original RTX graphics cards launched then. Launched they, had, they had <laughs> a certain angle in Battlefield Five. If you leaned into it and you looked at it, you could see it, Brad. Like from that side. took, and that update took like a month and a half to launch after the RTX cards came out. I remember because I was the one who asked about it at the briefing. So, which games can we actually expect to play this on the day that we buy this twelve hundred dollars graphics card? They're like, well, you know, Battlefield Five, maybe. It depends when they roll out the update. <laughs> the chicken, the, the egg has to come before the chicken. It's just yep. that's just the way yep. it happens. But I think Cyberpunk's going to be a great one. Everything's lined up for Nvidia. This is going to be a good launch for them. I think. Uh, well, some, somebody's going to shoot right back at you, Gordon. Uh, Boria Zero said uh, during the last show last week, uh, said, uh, am I mistaken in thinking that all the pricing for the new Intel chips is per 1,000 units, meaning Gordon's comparison charts are misleading? Yeah, it's always there. It's called 1KU. Traditionally, in the old days, remember 1KU of, say, a, an i5 2500K was, what, uh, 225 or something like that? Mm-hmm. Traditionally, you had the 1K prices, and the actual retail prices, when they first came out, would be above that. But over its life, it would actually get definitely below it. It hasn't quite been that way because of Intel shortages. Um, I don't think it materially is going to make a huge difference, you know, when you're looking at when you're looking at a previous generation i5 with no hyperthreading, whereas you have uh, hyperthreading today, and, and the price is essentially the same. So it does it doesn't it doesn't bend the curve that much, basically, as far as the one K you whether you use one K U pricing or not. I agree. And for a lot of them, for a lot of them, because they're not launch prices, for a lot of my pricing charts, I try to go and look what they're going for on the street. Usually it's street prices. So It's also a big difference. I mean, that's the best you can do with what the companies give us as far as pricing goes because that's what Intel provides. They don't do like AMD where AMD goes, you know, this chip suggested Intel prices four ninety nine. Intel will never do that. They only give you the volume pricing numbers. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, Eric on fire. Um uh, he's on fire. He's on fire. Watch out. Somebody get some water. Um, said uh, he, he messaged it straight to me, but I think we can, or at least Gordon can speak to it too. Uh, we often recommend discrete sound cards, but what's our opinion on SPDIF uh, optical uh, from the motherboard? Is there any inherent advantage in the external deck being connected via USB or SPDIF? Uh, I would say, I mean, yeah, it's it's optical, it's digital. I I don't think. I mean, unless there's some wiring problems, it's you're not getting any signal, you know, degradation or anything. Uh so, I mean, unless there's a problem with the, the actual wiring or circuitry. So, what do you think, Gordon? Yeah, I you know, Spitf, you know, you know, um Sony Philips whatever. Uh I think one of the issues and of course this is this is going back to ancient information is uh, and I may not even be current anymore, but one of the issues with PC gaming over SPDIF, if that's what you want to do is well, one, it's actually fairly limited in bandwidth compared to say, you know, um, 
uh, other methods. Uh, also, it was really not designed for. Um, whereas, if you so traditionally, if you're running an analog five one speaker, the mixing is done on the sound card, and then it's sent out sent out to each different satellite. So it is correct. Spitif was really designed to transport pre-encoded information. So you're playing a DVD because that's how ancient it is. You're playing a DVD and you were sending the, you know, the DTS or the Adobe digital track out over Spitif. That was a pre-encoded track. So for PC gaming, you would then, you would have to, uh, it's been a long time, but you would have to encode. You would have to take your game. You would have to take the direct sound 3D stream. You would have to figure out the positioning, the filtering, where you want that to go, and then you would have to send it to the SPDIF and then send it to your your you know home theater system because that's traditionally what people would use. The home theater system could only basically understand a pre-encoded stream. For a long time on the PC, that was a problem. They actually started near the end of it when people live in care, they ended up starting to use uh, Dolby Digital encoding. So they would... They would take your direct sound 3D stream. You would figure out the positioning and all that, the filtering, and then you would encode it with Dolby Digital to live to a, to something you could send it over a, a SPDIF that your your uh, player could then understand. So you could sort of see it's always a sausage thing, sort of like you're making the sausage, and then you take the sausage apart, and then you make it back into sausage, and then you send it over the sausage pipeline that the uh, spitoff could understand. It was really kind of weird. And then frankly, for PC, we're all either wearing analog headphones if you're using a sound card or you're running USB audio, so it doesn't matter anyway. So I don't know if that helps or makes it worse, frankly. I found that very illuminating in theory. The issue with me is that I've never heard the term said out loud before. And... To me, SPDIF is like ATX. You say the initials out loud. And sitting here, just hearing you guys saying all this insightful stuff, but then just just, just keep going spitif, spitif in the middle of it. Spitif. My mind spitif. could not follow spitif. any of that. It was real hard just not to crack up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird word to say, <laughs> for sure. Uh, I'll also, also point out, I mean, spitif is definitely a lot more uh, traditional in a home theater setup. Like like Gordon said, you know, there's been compatibility problems on the computer. Not to mention, you know, you're not running into a ton of uh, external sound decks that that have full support of it anyway. So, I mean, it, and depending on your your price range too. So, yeah, it's. I mean, if you want to get yeah. into it, it's definitely you know better than onboard audio uh, for damn sure. But it's a little more complicated than just going you know with a so with something else. I have a question. Um... Although before I get to my question, I will jump on board Brad's uh, train of thought and say that I got super distracted by the sausage <laughs> analogy because I was like, that doesn't sound appetizing at all. <laughs> now I'm not sure if I'm hungry or disgusted. There's been like this uh, ongoing like food chat uh, in YouTube chat. So that's kind of why I was thinking about food. Anyway, um, so, you know, the way you described it, it talks about, you know, a traditional 5.1 setup where you actually have different discrete satellites as you're saying you know around you when you have like a headset a gaming headset usb or analog well no i actually have so like my i have like a first gen astro a50 and you actually have on the base a uh 
spitif toss like i don't even recall them um input optical that's yeah it's yeah optical yeah. input yeah. so i'm kind of wondering how that works out related to the games you know i mean again this is like i'm relying on information from years ago when people even gave a damn about pc audio it was again you ran into the same issue where you're essentially getting a stereo mix mm-hmm. so you know and you could argue it didn't really matter anyway with headphones because you know it's it's just too too but it, you you essentially get a stereo mix for the most part over spitif you could get uh i mean probably what would happen is you would go from your your direct sound 3d it would figure out the positioning then it would pass that sausage over to the Dolby Digital Encoder. It would take the sausage, take it apart, reassemble it back into more sausage, send it across the the optical, the toss link or spitif to your headset. On that other side of it, then you then have it taking apart the sausage because it's basically you what a, a raw stream, and then figuring out where it wants. It's just it's always been a mess. I mean, analog has generally been, my opinion, been better because you just, you don't have to deal with so many intermediaries. And then, of course, that's when people even cared about audio. And then a lot of the game engines, it's mostly, for a while, it became, you know, just simply stereo mixes because, you know, PC gaming audio was broken. And then somebody, I know I'm going to hear from somebody at one of the sound card companies. And then, you know, Positioning is, you know, is I just think it's generally better in analog, you know. So it's just easier. It's just easier to deal with rather than having to to have so many encode decode steps in it, and who knows what they're going to turn it into. Uh, and you know, even today, you basically they get a in Battlefield they do they do a, a crazy amount of work in filtering to add 3D effects, which is then. I, it's PC gaming audio is a complete disaster today, if you ask me. But I'll say I, I also had the you're talking about the the Astros with the bass, right? The and the rechargeable bass, and then it had the the extra inputs. Uh, no, are you thinking of the A40s? Because the A40s has a mix. They they all have mix amps, right? So you have like the the processing unit, but the A50s are he- wireless. Yeah, like, yeah. I think space. I had the A51s. I can't remember. But yeah, it's you put it on the little charging dock. And it has the. That's a that might be a newer gen. So I have a first gen. Like I actually have to use a not a micro. I have to use a mini USB cable to charge that thing. Oh, okay. Uh, Welcome back to 2012, everybody. <laughs> anyway, I, I know a lot of a lot of those are also trying to have compatibility with with gaming consoles and stuff as well. So like I, I think it's like, hey, do you want to plug into your PC with the USB or do you want to plug your console in versus optical? You know. So I, I think. At least the ones I've used with Astro, I think that's what they're leaning towards. Um, mm. But anyway, yeah, uh, you don't really see again, you know, Toslink, Spitif. You don't see that as something you, that is just so that feels like it's so tied to DVD, <laughs> the DVD era in a lot of ways. It's just like well, it's, and then for what you're getting legacy. out of Blu-rays, you know, it's like it's hey, you, you, you have options, you know, which which option do you want to use? You know, it's even, there. But even for home theater, it's it's an ancient standard, whereas you can. Like the the bit rates you're getting out of uh, over HDMI are far far higher than what you're getting out of um, um, optical spit up, right? So it's just 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I, do, I can't keep track of this conversation. Like he's just we, should, <laughs> we, you know, we should have someone on creative because I, you know, I, I, sh- I should have brought it so I can show it up, but it's, I have the AE5 that they have a brand new one that uh, they just launched and I'm, I'm trying to do a preview on it. I haven't had a chance yet, but uh, it'd be good to talk about PC audio again, because obviously, you know, we care about it and some people care about it, but you know, but yes, you are yep. taking sausage the game engine makes sausage. <laughs> Bratwurst. And then it's turned back into, they take it apart, and then it's it's just, you just take it out of the casing, and it's just reassembled many, many different times. Mm-hmm. You don't know what sausage you're getting to your ears. Yeah, I, I wouldn't call it Bratwurst, <laughs> yeah. uh, Adam, because yeah. from how messy it sounds like, this sounds like an American sausage processor. Leslie Lye says the sausage was lost somewhere along the way of this conversation. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, how can you complain. Sausage is essentially sweepings anyway, so I don't know what you're complaining about. So just saying the inefficiency. Anyway, anyway, yes, uh, it's Does making me like hungry. A German thing. <laughs> I was already hungry. Uh, KazMC uh, asked uh, a couple weeks ago. Said, "Is this the future of anti-cheating?" Uh, and linked to an IGN article where their Call of Duty uh, Warzone is putting cheaters matched up together in their own uh, instances. Um, do you, do, you, do you like that idea to just I actually do. I when I saw that I thought that was quite clever. I like that actually. I mean they're allowing it. Do they're allowing you to cheat or are they just simply you've been identified as a cheater, you're now banned to the cheater server? Exactly, yeah. 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 Like hell basically for cheaters because <laughs> I that's but a you good just idea. Assume I... Everyone else is cheating. They they don't have to stop the cheating. They just have to take the person who's cheating and put them with all the other cheaters. Yeah, I actually kind of like it because for some people, cheating is actually the fun of it for them. So they still get to have their fun and they're just not going to, you know, upset other players who are trying to do it the right way. So, You know, actually, you know, this brings up a cheating thing. It's hardware, but I've never seen this before, but maybe it's just because I have not paid attention to it. But I I have the MSI GS66 uh, laptop in for review. And I've seen this on gaming monitors before, but never on a laptop. This laptop allows you to place a virtual crosshair on the screen that's outside the control of the operating system, right? So it's essentially, you know, you could do this on a gaming monitor where you can create a a, a crosshair that's always on the screen no matter what. Well, i tell you what, uh, unrelated to this whatsoever, uh, Back in the day for Gears of War for Xbox One, I had that was back before flat screen TVs. I had one of those big, like 52 inch projection TVs that were like eight miles long. And my brother and I used to play Gears of War like crazy on Xbox Live. Uh, we're super competitive into it. I actually took tape and put tape in the middle of my television and just left it there the entire time so that I could nail headshots from being ducked behind cover. So, <laughs> whatever, I'm fine with it in a monitor because I can just tape it to my monitor. Yeah, these are, but this is like, you can pick your crosshair, pick the color, and pick the position. It's, uh, I like it. It's pretty, pretty, pretty ingenious. I mean, do, do, I, I, I know those things exist, but what kind of people use those for like competitive stuff? Is that, isn't that like against competitive gaming? Like, you can't use that in a tournament, right? Well, how would they know? Well, no, I mean, if you're like in an esports arena, you know, and. Yeah, no, you can't. Not actually in the tournament, no, but. Yeah. Uh, getting to the tournament, people. though, is, you know, where you're less monitored. 
you need every advantage. I mean, you know, oh, wouldn't that, wouldn't that suck though? Like you, you get used to having that and then you're, you're under the big lights and the big crowds and then you don't have it and then you suck. <laughs> yeah. Mm. No, that would stink. You'd have to practice otherwise, but just to get there is, you know, people will do, there's a lot at stake. I just want to see YouTube videos from these cheating servers. And that might be kind of a downside to it that they'll have like the side industry of Twitch videos from the cheating servers where it's like the wildest crap is going on. But how would that even work? I mean, who, who has the advantage? If everybody's got aimbots, then yeah, it's just might as well play a console game. <laughs> okay. I knew that was going there. I knew we'd end up there yep, eventually. Yep. Hey, you know what? I think that's a signal that we should end the show. Uh, once he, he trashes consoles, you know, we, we've, we've filled our quota. Adam's pulling the plug. <laughs> just just make, just giving him a hard time. Oh, and actually, I was wrong. It wasn't actually the first K7. Uh, it was the one gigahertz. The In the May of 2000, apparently, going off the, the cover date, it was... Uh, AMD beat Intel officially to one gigahertz, which is a silly number, but that is that was a really round number at the time, and it was considered a, a huge win for AMD. So that's that's what I just want to make sure I got that correct information out. Well, but, I mean, classic. Well, actually, you know in, what? Intel having five gigahertz is a big deal still, so yeah, it matters. Uh, and it I, does matter. It's a round number, right? Mm-hmm. And I've I've one last question. Sorry, I forgot to, I was going to get to it. Uh, uh, VC Gesture uh, said, uh, if we get into the top 1,000 folding teams, which we have a link to our our full folders uh, thing, what is the group uh, in in the description team. team? Yeah, there we go. Team. Thank you. <laughs> uh, if we get into the top 1,000 teams, uh, will one of us do a dance on stream? I vote for Adam. All I know how to do is twerk, and we're trying to get that Disney sponsorship. So yeah, McDonald's be, this year. McDonald's would... this year. <laughs> I still think McDonald's wouldn't wouldn't want that. <laughs> Brad still has his out. And make Wait. make everybody not hungry anymore. <laughs> well, I, I will say, yeah, I've uh, the 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 full folders. Yeah, we're we're just about to crack the top one thousand. We're we're doing really good. Like it's it's crazy. We're we're going up the ranks. Uh, wow! Real, real quickly. So, on that. Yeah, I'm gonna you, set, write myself a note to get our test system on that. Yeah, because I've got uh, mine. We got a got a good I amount of people just, on there. I should have just turned something on and left it back at the ranch. Well, that's you know? that's what I did. That's what Adam Falcon did. Northwest with that sixty four. That's what I. That's what covered. I did. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, Gordon. Adam thought of that long ago. Yeah. Your work machine? No, no, the Falcon Northwest one. <laughs> oh, okay. So I'm, I'm. I think I'm like in fifth place, mostly thanks to that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, yes. No, th- thank you everyone for for joining on that stuff. Yeah, we'll we'll do a dance. I don't know. Eat, eat something dumb. You could do a waltz with BB in your living room. Yeah, there you go. I dance <laughs> with BB all the time. It happens. <laughs> so that's nothing new. Cool. All right, take us out of here, Gordon. All right, check back next week for your fix of PC Talk on the Full Nerd. For audio listeners, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Send questions and comments to thefullnerd at PCWorld.com. And also remember to leave a review every time you do. Adam does a dance with his cats. Thanks for coming. I'm Gordon Ung with Brad Charkis. Adios, y'all. Eleni Yee. Bye, everyone. And Adam Patrick Murray and his cat will hit the out switch. <laughs> yeah, she she's already left me, so... Uh, I will hit the off switch. And also, I just 
got reminded today's Cinco de Mayo. Go eat some tacos. Oh. So right. happy Cinco de Mayo. Yesterday was May the 4th. We watched Rogue One. It's a good one. All right. Anyway, see ya.